0: Welcome to the United Voice Oklahoma podcast where we are practicing the art of kindness and civil discourse and authenticity and storytelling. Our goal is to foster a healthy dialogue about race relations in our community. We seek common ground for common good and hope these conversations encourage you to build authentic relationships outside of your race or comfort zone. This season of the podcast is made possible by the generous support of the Oklahoma City Black Justice Fund. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the United Voice Oklahoma podcast. Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the United Voice Oklahoma podcast. I'm your host, Waylon Cubitt, joined here with my friend and our current co-host, Mackenzie Magnus. Thank you for joining us today
1: yes welcome we appreciate you taking the time to listen in we are really excited for you to meet today's guest on the podcast here with us today is our friend donna thompson Donna is one of those women that is always there humbling, humbly serving and making things happen behind the scenes. If you have been greeted at a breaking bread event, it is because of her and her ladies that serve with her. She is the director of the Oklahoma Baptist State Convention's prison ministry. We'll talk about that some today, um, but that is just one of the many ways that Donna is impacting our community.
0: Donna, Donna, Donna. How <laughs> must I count the ways that I know Donna? <laughs> yeah, you've been around forever. But look, no, seriously. I'm trying to I was really trying to think in preparation of when we met. Because it feels like we should have known each other forever, but we haven't. It's been through my work at Fact and your work at the church that I think we met. And you had I don't remember which one, but you might, you might remember, but you had a case. You were working with a family or a female in prison ministry that had a kid. And you called me up to say, why you can't work with this kid. I didn't say I couldn't work with the kid, Donna. I just
1: said,
0: this kid got some problems and I don't know if I'm equipped. And dealing with the- No, but you, I need you to work with this kid. And so anyway, we back and forth, back and forth, and I don't know if we ever got to work with the kid. But me and Donna got to she's work with each other. She's a advocate. Yeah, she's an advocate for her people. And when you are in Donna's Rolodex, you are in Donna's heart, and mm-hmm. uh, she touches a heart often. Mm-hmm. Right? Am I, am I am I describing you right? And did I get us right? I
2: think that uh, yes, uh, in, <laughs> <laughs> in regards to the, the child and. Um, you know, and I, I, I really chose you because I had seen you working. I had heard how you work. And then, the, to be honest, um, one of those children was part of a family member of a child who was in Kojak, Central Oklahoma Juvenile mm-hmm. Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was my intent to try to get some prevention for the child at home. Because, you know, uh, that particular time, you know, the child um, that's in Kojak, Central Oklahoma Juvenile Center, has to come home. So, um, you know, I was thinking, you know, Waylon, he can help this (laughs) child right here, you know. So let me just reach out to him. So kind of started there. And then it was, oh, you work at Kojak all the time. Let's talk about
0: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, So you work with prison, in the prison ministry with mostly adults, mostly. But then... Uh, we, we realized that you also work with some youth at Kojak in the prison system, youth prison, and I do some stuff with, at youth prison. Right. And so uh, you had uh, one particular time you had a youth speak out youth awareness program, youth awareness Progr- program program. Mm-hmm. At what church was on Kelly? One of the the 1,000 churches on Kelly.
2: Um, That
0: would have been uh, at New Zion. New New Zion. Zion. Greater New Zion Zion. Zion Baptist Church with Reverend uh, Tucker at the time, James Tucker. Yep. Uh, And I was speaking downtown Mm -hmm. with a member from the Obama administration. Mm -hmm. And you heard about it. And you said, and and Sean Alexander from Hmm. the Seattle Seahawks. It was all three right. of us were speaking downtown at some conference, mm-hmm. and she heard about it, and it was on the same. No, I think I know how you found out about it. You asked me to come <laughs> speak at the at the awareness, and I said right. I can't because I'm speaking downtown at right. this thing. Right. And you said, "Who are you speaking with?" And I said, "I tell you, okay. Well, I need all of y'all <laughs> to come speak <laughs> to be show up for my kids."
1: And you want to do it? Yes, you want to do it, Miss Donna.
0: <laughs> right. And I'm like, Donna, do you know what a disruption that is? It's right in the middle of the day. Well, I don't need y'all there till lunchtime. Well, it's our lunchtime. <laughs> but guess where we were at our lunchtime. That's right. All of us was down at that church uh, interacting with Love those it. with those groups of kids. And right. And you were surprised that all of the kids knew me instantly when exactly. we wa- walked in. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was great. So it was very yeah. easy to talk to them. Uh, and we had a great, uh, great turnout, and you mm-hmm. still do that today.
2: Mm-hmm. I do. Um, actually, uh, only in 2021, due to COVID, um, we weren't able to. But uh, prior to that, it was, um, I'm not for sure if it's 13 or 14 years. And uh, uh, the Office of Juvenile Affairs has just been really great about helping Um with that situation, because they actually bring the children to the church. I think it was important for the kids to see that this is what happens when you make bad choices. Almost everything I do is called choices because it's all about choices, uh, whether it's kids or adults. And um, so they bring the children there, and so some of the and and, and we're statewide. Oklahoma Baptist State Convention is actually the largest African-American religious organization in the state of Oklahoma. So the kids come from across the state to come to this event, and those children that are in Kojak uh, actually can be from any part of the state. And sometimes they'll they'll come and say, oh, there he go right there. Well, that's where he's been. He's been in Kojak Mm -hmm. just just getting a little training, Mm -hmm. you know, um, so the kids see – uh, through the testimonies, I usually ask for four. Uh, I actually, ask for two girls, two boys, different crimes, uh, different races, so that you know we can uh, just let everybody see. It doesn't really matter. Uh, each story, I asked them to tell how they were raised. I don't want people to stereotype. Just because dad wasn't in the house, that's how you got in trouble. Just because your grandmother raised you, that's how you got in trouble. Anybody can make a bad choice, and it's up to you mm-hmm. to determine which choice you want to make. And, and there are consequences either way. So um, that's kind of how that program goes with, with those kids. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, um, a prevention to say to keep them from going to prison, mm-hmm. because if they can learn a lesson in Kojak, um, then they can come back home if the if the home is appropriate. Not everybody comes home uh, if the house, the household is not appropriate for their child. But if you make choices that get you in trouble, then you get bridged over to the Department of Correction to the, and, adult, to the, adult, mm-hmm. system. To the adult system. So that's not what we want
0: to happen. Right. So that's and why you're, I'm and to and you have kids that haven't committed crimes witnessing right. these testimonies and exactly. watching these, right. these these guys come in in the orange jumpsuit and mm-hmm. the girls come in the orange mm-hmm. jumpsuit and, mm-hmm. and and have supervision. So it's mm-hmm. pretty cool to see. But before we go, we went, we yeah. went way into we, we what you to, do. We,
1: <laughs> we need to hear about your testimonial background, story, kind of a little bit just – where you were born, how mm-hmm. long you've been in Oklahoma City, what got you into prison ministry and community okay. work, a little bit about your family.
2: Okay, I actually um, was born um, actually in Tinker, Tinker Air Force Base. I My dad was military. <laughs> uh, but I was raised in, uh, started out in Jones, Oklahoma, and my uh, mother's parents were in Arcadia, Oklahoma, so we moved there. Um, because of the schooling system, even though I lived in Arcadia, I got bused to uh, Rogers Middle School and then Star Spencer. Um, and so – Did you graduate from Spencer?
0: Star Spencer. Bobcat. Bobcat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why we always kind of got this little thing going on. That's why we – I see why we, we just can't get along all the time. That's it. That's right. That's Millwood's Bobcats, Falcons, oh, yeah. and Bobcats always have something. Oh, yeah. Okay, I get I, it.
2: Now. And then, uh, you know, um, I actually just – you know, life just happened and and then I ended up, uh, you know, in Edmond for a little bit and then I came to Oklahoma City. So, um, I started um, working for an agency called the Oklahoma Healthcare Project under the leadership of Wayne Thompson and John Bowman. I uh, did some work with Opio Terray because they were working with Opio Terray. Under the umbrella of Oklahoma Healthcare Project was an organization called All of Us Are None, and All of Us Are None is a national organization, and it is that primary focus is to be a voice for those who are incarcerated, or formerly incarcerated, and in their family members to encourage people on their rights to register and vote. But how long ago was that? Um, two thousand Two okay. Well, Perfect. it was our yeah. Two thousand two was when I went there. Okay, right. when I went it has there, it's been
0: around before that.
2: Um, yeah. Well, no, no, it has not been around before that because we are. I'm. We are part of the co founders, so okay. that would have been gotcha. two thousand two, two thousand three. We all went to New Orleans, people from across the United States, to form the organization. Mm-hmm. All of us are none, and so. Um, that's how we, we began All of Us and None. Oklahoma was the model uh, for All of Us and None. Uh, of course, unfortunately, Wayne Thompson, John Bowman, and Opio Tere are all deceased now, but they did lay the foundation for the model for Oklahoma. Um, and with that, um, there was another organization under the same umbrella called uh, Parent Guardian Support Network. And that was my job, was to transport caregivers, siblings, parents, whomever, to Ellie Rader. You know, those kids were already adjudicated by the state of Oklahoma, and they were required to have sessions uh, with the family to determine what the problem was and how to uh Fix the problem if possible. And like I said, if the child uh, was able to go back home. So if a child was maybe selling drugs, but everybody in the household was using Mm drugs, that's not the house he needs to go back to. Right. So the conversation would be weekly. Um, Weekly, I would transport them, so you know, from Oklahoma City to. Uh, see, So or Sand Springs, can't remember which one it was. It's been a while. Uh, but it was Ellie Rader, which is closed now. Um, we had a lot of conversations. There were grandparents raising grandchildren that had no intention of doing anything but retiring and not raising a second generation. Mm-hmm. But mom or dad is incarcerated, so they have the children a wife who may have a husband who was incarcerated and the the child is actually also uh, in the juvenile city. This is a juvenile prison to me, to be honest. Um, I'm sure it was helpful to the children, because a lot of them did go home. But some of them, if they didn't go home, they had to go to uh, a group home or something of that nature, if it was going to defeat the purpose of what they went to Ellie Raider for. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them went home on probation. um, But, you know, one of the things that stood out for me was there were children there who weren't having anybody visit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So...
0: And connection's important. Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: yeah. So in mm-hmm. But in my time, my time that I was there, I would see some of these children. But in the process of developing relationships with these young people uh, who didn't have loved ones to come see them, it's just like, um, I, I just really enjoy being there for them. But in my travel, like I said, you know, I remember a grandparent telling me, you know, it's so cold in the house, you know, the window needs to be fixed, or there's not enough insulation, or um, we don't get kicked out because the bills are due. My pastor, uh, Pastor John A. Reed Jr., was the Oklahoma Baptist State Convention president. And in I, Fairview, I, at, Missionary. At Fairview Missionary. Mm-hmm. Baptist, mm-hmm. Yeah. And Fairview Missionary. yes. And so, like I said, we're yeah. the largest African-American organization in the state of Oklahoma. And I felt like the church had a responsibility to help those people.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And each time I traveled, when I came back, I had a story for him. Let me tell you about this. You know this lady that, these kids that, and he, he would listen.
0: And do you the, remember the one story that broke it open? That said, they've that, that got Pastor Reed to say, That's a good We're doing this. What's uh, the one story?
2: It, it, there is not a one. There was the consistency of me having so oh, yeah. many yeah. that he said, Okay, listen, I'm only one person.
0: Mm-hmm. I
2: can't do all of that that you want. But what I will do is, if you want to be over the ministry, Mm-hmm. or if you want to help, you
1: can do that. So he saw that passion yeah. you had yeah. and made a yeah. way for you yeah. to kind of step into that.
2: Yeah. And so I was like, well, I'm not sure if i want to be over it, but I can help. <laughs> and then he said, well, so uh, there actually was somebody over it, let me just say that. And th- it was a different... Um, his life was a little different, and so uh, it kind of was a struggle at the time. But either way, Reverend Reed uh, said you can be over it. I started at my church um, with with the prison ministry. I really wasn't sure, but I, I have to just say this right here. In my the way that I found peace is there was a situation where. All of the churches was get together, and I was like, you know, we're going to do this, and we're going to help these people. We are going to do this. and I was so excited, but there was something about people and their reception of prison ministry. But the Lord told me, not nobody else, but the Lord, don't worry about that. Just do what I say. So when we started the prison ministry, there was some reluctancy because some people— didn't want you to know
0: that they they had family members members,
2: Mm -hmm. or either that they themselves themselves. had been to prison or the struggles that was going on. And um, so I just had to just keep going, because that's what the Lord told me. But... um,
1: And how long have you been in this role now?
2: um, It's actually 20 years in October. November of 2022, and so it was just um, all of these these things, and you know, I had it in my mind all these preachers, all these churches. They can do this, they can do that, but you know, I had to learn how to accept the fact. But when all well, no, we don't, we're we're not um, ready for that. Or, but what happened was, people started coming home from to their church, a church member. Came home, right?
0: Or, or, they get released, And yeah. they have to find, they have to they, they, find resources. Right. They have
2: to have things in place, and there was an expectation of uh, Sister Wilma Jean. That's just an example. That's not anybody's real name. Oh, Wilma the, Jean. You talk about my aunt. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, everybody got you know. an aunt Wilma Jean.
0: You need to say some <laughs> other name. Well, you know,
2: okay, Sister Betty. or okay. whoever <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's always, let me say this a, a church mother well, there you go. that's been yeah. in the church mm-hmm. for forever, and she didn't pay her tithes, she's been faithful, she's been mm-hmm. there. And so her son um, goes to prison, and he comes home, and well, her son goes to prison, okay, and she has the children, but she has to take care of the kid. So now she's handling a rent. Now, mm-hmm. you can't tell her no. Because she's a member of the church. She's been faithful. She done paid her rent. But the church can't sustain everybody. Sure. So you need to have some resources to for people to reach out. And so we became that um, for the churches to have that information. And that's one of, one of the reasons we have programs. We always want to have vendors. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's people already doing this. We just need to bring everybody to the table. Yeah.
0: So when you have these programs, you line the room with resources that, m- that families can can use or access. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Or, uh, or, or even the, the, the people themselves, the formerly incarcerated people can access. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Access uh, resources for their kids. Oh, yes. And, yeah. and that stuff. And so, uh, yeah, talk a little bit about what the program looks like when you have a prison ministry program.
2: Well, um, we have um, three programs pre-COVID a year. Um, Well, you know, we really have more than that. But let's talk about the three. So what I found out was that (laughs) Waylon didn't know what McKenzie was doing, and they they right Mm -hmm. across the street. Okay, yep. that's, that's how close it was. Right. And so, you know, you hear people say, well, you know, they're not doing this right here, and uh, they don't have a program for this right here. And I said, well, we really do. Um, you, you just probably need to come to one of our programs. So we had a prison ministry luncheon. The prison ministry luncheon, I'm sorry, excuse me, the first program is the prison ministry workshop. It's the state, it's the, it's the Oklahoma County, the state, the feds, um, and the juvenile system. All of them come, and they speak on how to get involved in their organization, what it takes, the application, the process. Um, Is that a work and volunteer? Yes. Yeah, okay. Work and volunteer. So they provide that information at the workshop. And then we have people from the Department of Correction who talk about, uh, of course, they're part of the state the Department of Correction, but their thing is to talk about employment, but also volunteers and the process in order to go inside the prison or uh, whatever they would like to do. And then we have information from the probation, parole, uh, how that works. I feel like family members need to know when your when your friend, I mean, when your family member tell you that they don't have to be in until midnight and they got a curfew of ten. You need to know
0: that you know what the what mm-hmm. what the real real is.
2: Yeah, because you want to help them to stay in order. Um, so we did we do several different things like that. But then we have the youth awareness program. The youth awareness program is and actually this year is the last Saturday in July. Um, the prison ministry workshop is April thirtieth, twenty twenty two, and prison ministry youth awareness program is July. The last Saturday, I think it's the 30th. But anyway,
0: Yeah, we'll have to put we'll put there's a couple of things that we want to want to mm-hmm. do. We want to put those dates in our show notes mm-hmm. so they can access that. And then we also want to put uh, because you're not bashful about asking for volunteers and help um, no. and different ways to do it. <laughs> and so and you will take up all of our time talking about all the different ways mm-hmm. that you would like to see people contribute. Uh, in right. Time, talent and mm-hmm. And money, so let's put those in the resources okay but what i what I want to know is uh you, you not only do you do the apprentice ministry in these, mm-hmm. and these and, and you mm-hmm. run around gathering resources like you're knowledgeable on what resources we have around the city and the state mm-hmm. uh, to for families mm-hmm. but you're also um, you're also really really passionate about uh ex felons mm mm-hmm. Gaining their right to vote, and right. you work with Senator Young mm-hmm. on that a little bit. So talk about, and I know it's kind of complicated because I always have to call you. It's like, wait a minute, what was that? <laughs> was this many years and that many? But you, but you're my walking resource. So talk about where the passion for voting rights uh, and re- voting registration comes from.
2: Okay, that origin came from my original position with Wayne Thompson, John Bowman, and Opio Teray. That was. Um, Our our goal was to get people to register to vote in their families but also educate people who are incarcerated to know that they could register to vote. It's so much misinformation. You have people that says, once you're off paper, you can register and vote. I'm really trying to keep people legal because that's that's not true. Mm -hmm. Let me just say that's not true. So let me just share with you how this works. Um, the Department of Corrections and the Oklahoma State Election Board have different rules. They're two different state agencies, and you can't put them together regardless of what you think because the Department of Corrections, if you have a conviction and they give you probation, it, it, and we're going to use the number, 10 years. Okay, 10 years. And they give you 10 years. You will do 10 years calendar days, one day at a time.
0: On the paper, on paper.
2: Yes. But you, are, this is not in prison. This is, you're in the streets. You're not incarcerated. You're already, mm-hmm. you're out.
0: You're out. The, pro, the, the physical time in jail is over. Yes. But the probation time continues.
2: Well, you're, you're not in jail. Okay, from the date, everything starts at the date of conviction.
0: Okay, I get convicted today.
2: You get convicted today. The judge gives you 10 years. 10 years. Probation. Yes, probation. Okay? Okay. 10 years from today to the date, you will be on probation. So I
0: never have to go to jail. I was sentenced to probation. Yes. But 10 years probation on a felony conviction.
2: That's right. So that means you can't vote? Not at that time.
0: Okay. So
2: Until the 10 years is up. The 10 years is up. But you, you won't have a choice. Well, yes, you will, because you can choose to do it. But legally, you have to wait all 10 years, okay? You have to wait all 10 years. State election board says, um, the form originally said, I have not been convicted of a felony, and if I have, the amount of time of the original sentence has expired, which is the original sentence. Everything is date of conviction, conviction, and the number of years, and you just add them together, that's the simple formula. You don't need to have any other discussion.
0: And how many years past that makes me eligible? The day that that's over, I'm yes. eligible? Yes, okay.
2: actually the next day. The very yeah. next day. Yeah, you're eligible to register at that time. Okay. okay. But the difference in going to prison is that that same 10 years, you can, because you accumulate credits, good time, days off, all of that, out of the 10-year sentence, it decreases your days. Mm -hmm. So you can be completely through with a 10-year sentence in about five years and totally discharged. Mm -hmm. Discharged meaning we are through with the Department of Corrections. We are not having to check in anywhere. Everything is done, okay? So when you make the statement that you... Uh, can register and vote once you're off paper, that's not correct. Because you did. You had a 10-year sentence, and we'll say that you finished it in five, you're off paper. But the state election board says you have to wait the whole 10 years. So you have five more years to go.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And to do otherwise is another felony. Yes. Or not. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. To mess up. It's, it's, it says that,
2: you know, in the oath, it tells you that you, it's like you're committing perjury. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. So people have to understand when you're eligible to register and vote. In an effort to fix this and bring clarification, the wording actually says this. Now, let me say this before I start I don't use any of this language, I only use date of conviction in number of years. It's been confusing for so many years, I don't use anything else. But this says, I have not been convicted of a felony, or if I have been convicted, I am now eligible to register to vote as I have fully served my sentence of court-mandated calendar days, including any term of incarceration, parole, or supervision, or I completed a period of probation as ordered by any court. Did y'all understand that?
0: Okay, I, you
2: lost me a little bit.
0: <laughs> I'd have to have a highlighter and uh-huh. go back and go uh-huh. slower. Yeah, uh-huh. so
2: um, and that's kind of um, uh, one of the reasons why we try to make that real clear. Mm-hmm. Leave that alone.
0: But this is what I hear, you know, mm-hmm. when uh, when I'm talking to people about registering to vote, mm-hmm. and they say, "Oh, uh, I have a feeling I can't vote," and I go, "Well, maybe you can," mm-hmm. because there's something like I'm not messing with it right mm-hmm. I'm not messing with close. it. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking a chance mm-hmm. it's too confusing yeah I'm on top of the fact
2: that I know I think how that complicated this is I don't want to take get. a chance
0: and then I'm not real sure about the issues to be voting for anyway and then my vote doesn't count you know you get all of oh, yeah. that so yes, this yes. this confusion mm-hmm. really keeps people mm-hmm. out of the ballot box and that's what mm-hmm. bothers you well
2: the people, a lot of the people, if you think about Senator Young and the videos that we make, those people are examples of those who have been incarcerated uh, and have felony convictions and they are um, them not being able to register and vote. So, um, like, let me be an example. There's a guy who actually um, had not, he got convicted in 1991. He got four years. And so he was eligible in 1995. And this story that I'm telling you about is actually a case of the last election. And he had not registered and voted since 1995 because he didn't know. Mm-hmm. So uh, he just was able to register and vote at the last presidential mm. election. But he's just one of many. I had a gentleman hadn't registered vote since 1968. He didn't know. Mm -hmm. So we get out there and we try to make an effort to let people know Mm -hmm. about their rights to to register and vote. And it's a continuous challenge because people have their own perception. Oh, you just have to wait uh, five years until you've been out. Oh, you know, people have that. And so as long as we have having people to have their own version Mm -hmm. of that, um, it's, 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 it's a challenge. So Senator Young... I know that people will listen to him, but he's always been an advocate for people to register and vote be when he was a pastor. And so uh, he he just continues uh, with that, uh, helping us out. We um, I'm the executive director for an organization called Working Together for Change Ministry, uh, and that's our, our focus is to actually register people who have a felony convictions and know their rights. And so we're going to continue to make videos and get information out there mm-hmm. um, to people you know so that they can do that. In my effort to um, to do all of this, um, I have a son and he is like um, he's 20 he was 27. He was diagnosed with ALS. Um, actually it will be eight years in January. And um, so I had to take that time out to make sure that I can be mama.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right, right. <laughs> you know, mama and be there for him. It is a monster of a disease, and many people don't know about it. It used to be um, actually, most people were 40 and older and Caucasian, but um, throughout the years, many people. Um, have been affected by it, and he's one of them. So I just want to—it's it's, its a hard thing to watch him lose his ability uh, to do things, but I believe in God, and that's how I deal with him is keeping that faith, keeping the faith. And so I have four daughters, and my son is Thomas, and then I have Tara, Tanya, Tiffany, and Tamira, and six grandkids. So all of them are included in my journey uh, to get the information out, but also to let family members know what's going on and also be a mother. Mm-hmm.
0: And you you do it so easily, which is what's so inspirational. Is like I'm in a lot of places. At least I feel like I'm in a lot of places. And many times you're there. If we're not there together, I'm bumping into you mm-hmm. or we're talking about it, uh, uh, and you're the number one supporter. Of anything good on Facebook too, right? You're sharing. <laughs> you are you are yeah. uh, you are uh, following along and tracking, but I got to ask you this question. I know Mackenzie is already thinking this. I'm stealing your question. I know. I'm still I'm in stealing your question. my question. Stealing my question. But uh, I'll let you. So breaking bread. We we sit on the justice circle together. Correct. Mm-hmm. With Mackenzie mm-hmm. and, and our producer Mark and. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we keep coming up when we talk about justice mm-hmm. and overall justice, we have to talk about the prison system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as we start really talking it about the, that's where it started, mm-hmm. right? It's just, okay, we got to get jail. people out of the County jail. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know who came first, you or me, but I don't know who was in that room first. But anyway, the conversation of race came up.
2: Yeah. Uh, no, I oh, don't know. Okay.
0: Yeah. The conversation of race comes up. Mm-hmm. And when you start seeing, uh, you're actually seeing the people in the stories and you're actually telling the stories to people. Mm-hmm. What, what, are, what are we missing when it talks about the disparity of uh, representation in the prison system and in the jail system? Is it getting better? What do you see the cause of it for? And what's our fix?
1: Cause you've been, you are close in proximity.
2: Uh, yeah. You know, and, and I wanted to say there's uh, you know, there are, different situations that I um, that I encounter and, and I don't I don't think that anything happens by mistake. And let me just say, um, this one guy, his wife was sick and they needed me to find him. I did. And I looked him up and I, I looked didn't look him up to find his record. I just looked him up, found out where he was at. Mm-hmm. And in that I noticed that he had three hundred years and he's black. Okay. But my first thing is Okay, who died first? Did anybody die? Did anybody die? And so, um, no. he. It was a robbery, some other stuff. But anyway, he has 200 years running concurrent, meaning together. He's been in prison since 1998. And his second case doesn't come up until 2067. And mm-hmm. then his second one starts. And then there has another guy. Nobody died. He had life without parole, plus 108 years. And... But with him, there are people that supported him, and he is out. And when I look through different situations, because it's not all Baptist. I'm a volunteer coordinator uh, for the Department of Corrections Um and what I do is kind of like that gap between the community and Department of Corrections, making sure that people can be involved. So color has nothing to do with it. And because I'm a volunteer for the Department of Corrections, it doesn't matter what race you are, not race, but religion you are, everybody's treated equally. But when you start seeing um, people of different colors with lesser sentence uh, and being able to go home for the same crimes, for the same cr- for mm-hmm. the same types of crimes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really something that, um, you know, I, I'm not sure why people aren't looking into this. But, you know, uh, there's a program called Project Commutation, and they are really trying to, to help people. Um, but that's one of those things we need to bring them to the table so everybody can know what's going on with that. And they they actually don't de- determine whether they help you or not based on anything, but that you're eligible And I just picked them because, you know, people need to apply for commutation. I understand about Governor Stitt uh, and his position on a lot of things. But if you stop and think about it, you know, he commuted some people. Okay. A lot of people. A lot of people, you know, and so we we need to do that. But back to your question, I go to the prison every month. Uh, We have a church go every week um, because I organize the churches and where they go. And so, uh, but we have people that come and tell us things like, um, I only got five years. Well, but I got 15. Okay. And I don't have the discussion right there in front of them, but I do make a point of letting Senator Young know, Representative Goodwin know, Jason Lowe know, these people. But in these next elections, I think it's important that people need to focus on who you put in place as a judge. <laughs> come on you know, tell us put, uh, th- who you putting in place as a judge now if you got a judge that is is minded to alternatives to incarceration they might not need to be the judge
0: mm-hmm. you right. know
2: and then some people don't even know who the judges are when they go vote so they just check or they don't check anything mm-hmm. I am encouraging people to have more forums and more talk about the judges mm-hmm. that we're putting in office. When you talk about mass incarceration, you, the judges is the ones that make the decision. Don't get mad at DOC because they only house them. They're not, they're not giving them those sentences, and people need to pay attention to that. And when these elections come up, which they will be coming up, even with um, the DA's position, when these people start running officially, look them up. Mm-hmm. See what they do. See what they're for. See what they're for against. Don't just vote just because. You know, sometimes people vote on stuff because they know that name, but that mightn't be the right person right now. So, I, I just I just think that people need to look at the fact of those who are who have um, the mindset to give people. I think they need to be sentenced to treatment, mm-hmm. sentence them to treatment, you mm-hmm. know, and a lot of everybody's ready for treatment when when they get there they're happy they went so there's other alternatives to incarceration, and then i I believe that it can be more equal as far as sentencing uh, I'm not going to be perfect, but more. I believe that it's more mm-hmm.
1: so what are you most hopeful about? When it comes to the future of our city things like race incarceration just in general what are you staying the most hopeful about
2: um that um you know we can uh, really stop looking at color so much black and white brown asian whatever You know, I think that we need to just look at people. One of the things I found out in doing prison ministry is, and in church, you need to, you don't know their story. Mm -hmm. You need to listen to their story. Mm -hmm. Because some people have just blew me away. Um, You know, people who continuously use drugs. One person told me that he was sexually assaulted at five. Yeah. I, can't, I couldn't even fathom that. But, you know, you just really need to listen to people's story. The lady that comes in with her chest all out, that might have been how she was raised. Help her. Don't criticize her. If you, somebody's pants is hanging down, pull them to the side. Be a mentor. Be there for them. And not criticize people because you don't know their story. If you listen to some of those people you will be convicted to help them you really will because i i can't tell you some of the stories people who have told me about getting raped in prison and um just the effects of how they can't let that go so don't criticize people you know you need to get to know their story yeah
0: and i am so excited uh to have learned your personal story I see. We, I mean, you're in these streets. I mean, you are you are in these streets, and everybody knows who you are. Everybody, you have everybody's phone number. You use it. You use it, and uh, and you get things done. And those not only uh, not only do you use it, but you get things done, and that's the and you're relational because relational people want to know other other people's story. Yeah. Uh, and I appreciate the fact that you work so closely with the justice circle and mm-hmm. kind of keep us from mission drift. Mm-hmm. Right, and keep us uh, focused on what the actual mission is, which is justice for all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I just want you to know that we see you, we hear you, yeah. you're valued, Very and all the things that you do and the stuff that you do is really, although you never ever really see uh, Donna dirty. She's always clean, <laughs> she's <laughs> always whipped, the nails got her high is heels. always together, <laughs> but you're doing the greedy in the streets uh, work. And nobody yeah. would ever know it just looking at you. It's pretty good. Here's another thing I want to say is that uh, you're inspiring in a way that you're not only serving us in the community, but you're serving your son Mm -hmm. and your family Mm -hmm. who uh, uh, is health is not getting better. It is getting worse because of ALS. Mm -hmm. And you're watching him before your eyes. uh, I mean, we've seen pictures of him, robust and a basketball player. and, And just this last week, pictures of him, you know, really thin and in a, in, a, in a wheelchair and yet you're still here with us today and yet mm-hmm. you'll pick up the phone when I call and, and I know that you'll pick up the phone when he calls or oh, when he yeah. has needs and mm-hmm. I don't know how you uh, get, they, I don't know why we call you Donna, we just ought to call you Superwoman.
2: Well. <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> you gotta just call you Superwoman. No, no. no, actually you know my son is um,
2: He's he just says it's about making memories and he asked me um really he was like well, you know can we just go to the cotton bowl if he wants to go to the cotton bowl and we get tickets I, that's just something anything that can mm-hmm. keep him happy you know uh, you know we 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 are aware of the disease and but my son is such a great guy he said when he first got it he said i will not let this dictate my life and so he mm-hmm. keeps as much normalcy as he can, he does all kind of things with his family, his boys and his wife, and just just doing a whole bunch of things. So mm-hmm. um, if it what, but you know, his mother-in-law, uh, her side of the family, uh, my children, and he has gobs and gobs, for everybody mm-hmm. loves Tea Time <laughs> Thomas, you know. <laughs> his, his heart is just that big and it's always been that way. So, you know, he always, there are people that are just willing um, to be there for him um, but before I finish I have to say thank you to all of the churches because i like I say I had some reluctance. but now they are so so supportive they're there they send their their church members they they tell their families and you know and have this thing with some of them you just go preach one time and if you don't like it then I won't bother you no more. I haven't had anybody that didn't want to go back. And so it's just um, not just in the churches, but even there are people out there in the streets that come and want to support. So uh, Oklahoma, if you live in Oklahoma, you either been to prison, know someone been to prison, related to someone been to prison, or help pay the $500 million that it cost to the house them. So nobody's exempt. Right, You can't say it don't have nothing to do with me. All of us or none of us? All of us or none. Nobody's exempt. So you and, you know, and because of the way we lock up people, um, you look around and it could be somebody in your family. So I just encourage people to do whatever they can. Please register and vote. Please register and vote. Put people in office that will help you in our community. That's right. I love it.
0: So you guys got to do us a big favor. You got to share this episode with your friends and your family. You got to rate it on Apple Podcasts. do all of that kind of stuff. And we're going to be back with some more episodes. But Donna, once again, thank you so much for being here. And you know what? Have a wonderful Christmas. It's Christmas
1: time. That's it's right. christmas it's time christmas. it's christmas
0: it's really qu- oh man yeah yes. some
1: more memories oh yes some mm-hmm. more memories some yeah. more.
0: Memories. so as always seeking common ground for common good i'm Willing cubit
1: and i'm mackenzie magnus
0: and this is the united voice oklahoma podcast and we'll see you next time bye Thanks, Donna.
2: bye thank you
0: thank you for listening to the united voice oklahoma podcast for more episodes subscribe on itunes or your favorite podcast app and if you like what you hear leave us a review please share the show with your friends and family it really helps us to get the conversation out to more people this podcast is a production of united voice oklahoma one of the initiatives of the stronger together movement and is produced by okc good this current season is made possible by the generous support of the oklahoma city black justice fund